Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Yo, what's up, friends and fam in the room? You picked a good Sunday to be here. We're in week two of this Revelation series. For those of you joining us online, whether you're at the beach or hanging out in the mountains or wherever you are in between, thanks for hanging out. Everybody in the cheap seats up in the balcony, what's up? I see you up there. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let me tell you a a story. I I, was sitting down with a friend of mine on Friday night. Uh, we were eating at a, at a restaurant together, and he began to tell me about a, a ministry, a mission trip that he went on, and uh, went to uh, Ecuador, actually, to do some ministry work there with a church. And uh, they were at a small church one Sunday morning, and there was a 16-year-old girl there that served on the worship team. And they, uh, this, this group of Americans, you know, were coming in, doing this ministry project, uh, trying to help, help with missions there overseas. And uh, they, they sat down with this girl and just began to ask her about her story. And this girl mentioned uh, that her, her dad did not want her to be there. Uh, she was attending church on, on Sundays and on Wednesdays against her parents' wishes. And she even admitted to the team that every Sunday night when she gets home from church, her dad beats her. And every Wednesday night when she gets home, if her parents find out that she went to church, her dad abuses her. And yet in the midst of that, she continues to show up to church every Sunday and every Wednesday, knowing the consequences that will face her when she gets home. And the team sat there, and and Jordan, uh, my buddy, just sitting across the table, he said, Nathan, what do you say? What do you say to that? And he said, this team of uh, American students coming over here, interacting with a, a 16-year-old high schooler in Guatemala, sharing, or uh, Ecuador, sharing that story. She said, I, I, I can't relate to that, Jordan said. And all we knew to do was to sit there and cry with her. That despite the, the, the guarantee that her physical health would be compromised, she said, I still want to show up and worship. I still want to sing with other believers I still want to open up my Bible every week and I want somebody to teach me what this means and how it impacts my life um, today. Uh, There are are a lot of problems that I have, uh, but they don't compare to those. I I like to call my problems first world problems. Uh, There are people all over the world right now that don't have clean water to drink. They don't have access to it. There's disease and terrible things that they have to do just to get a drink of water. Can I tell you a fun fact about me? There are certain brands of bottled water that I won't drink. I'm a big fan of uh, Aquafina. I love Dasani. But Deer Park brand bottled water, I'm not doing. See, I can tell by that laugh. Y'all are like, yes, Deer Park. It, I don't know. I won't drink. I would rather drink the water out of the faucet at my house, actually coming out of the refrigerator through the filter that's refrigerated, that water, <laughs> then a Deer Park. Well, I think Deer Park is a great name for that water because it, sa- it tastes like the deer was in the water when they were bottling it. That's what it tastes like. And so I won't drink it. First world problems. Your bottled water tastes bad. 
Come to Cuba with us where uh, not many people have a car at all. They rely on public transportation. And just to come to church, um, they will go to the bus stop, sometimes hours before it's supposed to be there because they never know when it's going to come. And they're there with their, their Sunday best clothes on in the middle of the Cuban summer, standing at the bus stop. And when they, when they get on the bus, the bus is completely packed and uh, like a dangerous level, like it would have never passed OSHA in, here in, in the States. And people hanging out the windows. And sometimes just to go 15, 20 miles, uh, y- y- it'll take an hour. And you got to pay to go on the bus. And that's just what people will do. Uh, just to get to church on a Sunday morning. Can I tell you about the last time I flew on a plane? I was uh, flying out to New York to speak at a conference, and I brought my iPad with me. And uh, when I got on the plane, the, the stewardess there, flight attendant, came on the, line, on the intercom, and she said, I'm sorry to inform you that the Wi-Fi on this flight will be down. And I was like, you are kidding me. No Wi-Fi. Like, I had work that I was going to do. I can't believe this. So I sat there on this two-and-a-half-hour flight, completely bored, eating those cookies that they give you that are so good, sipping the cranberry orange juice cocktail that they give you out of the can, bored out of my mind because I had to fly up to New York to speak in an event and, and fly back the very next day. First world problems. That's what my problems are. There are some passages in Scripture that I read them, and I find it really hard to relate to. I don't know if that happens to you or not. Uh, Maybe it's because it's happening. This was written thousands of years before we are reading it. Maybe it's a different culture. It's happened uh, halfway around the world, so maybe it's hard to relate to in that fashion. But but there are just things that are reading him. It's like, what do you get from that? Like, what, What are we supposed to do with this? This has nothing to do with what we're going through right now. And just like those American students going over to Ecuador hearing the story of a 16-year-old that was getting beaten just for going to church, sometimes I catch myself reading the Bible and say, I just can't relate to that. I just can't. There's nothing about my past or nothing about my life and how I grew up that allows me to connect with a text like that. And, and, and when we look at this text today, we're going to look at the second out of the seven churches, and it's the church of Smyrna. And this is the church that's known for how bad they were persecuted, how much they were willing to endure the suffering that they encountered just because they were a Christian. And come on, man, let's, let's just be honest with this. No one in this room can relate to that. When you read stories of people being killed because the government found out that they were a Christian, none of you know what that's like. Like, we're not sitting on pins and needles right now. Like, I'm I'm not turning the lights down and taking the microphone off because I don't want people outside of the walls to hear me because I'm scared that maybe at any moment now people could storm in this room and arrest all of us and torture us just because we're gathering at a church on a Sunday. None of us can relate to that. So how do we take a story of a church that has undergone extreme persecution? I mean, these people were killed for their faith, just because they found out they were associated with a local church. Some of these people uh, were not allowed to buy food from the grocery store, the local market, because they were followers of Jesus. Like They would not allow them to purchase food to provide for their family. So if you were going to be a Christian in this culture, sometimes you had to grow your own food just to survive. They wouldn't let you spend money in certain stores to buy whatever you wanted to based on your religious affiliation. We have no idea what that's like. 
And yet in the face of, of that, that kind of suffering, that kind of persecution, their families were being threatened. Imagine being a parent and your kids are being threatened with their life because you go to a church, you claim to be a follower of Jesus. Can you imagine the pressure that would have been on a parent and the fear associated with those types of things? That's what they were facing in this text. And so we have no idea. So you look at a text like this and be like, how in the world can we preach this? What can we get out of it? What does this have to do with us? But I would argue, like, let's unpack this together, these, these few verses this morning. I, I would tell you this text is a lot more relevant for us than, than you might first see when you, when you read it. See, here's, here's how the story starts in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. If you have your app, you can uh, open that up, or, or if you have your Bible, Revelation 2, Here's the second church of Smyrna. To, to the angel, to the messenger of the church in Smyrna, right? These are the words of him who was the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. This letter was written by Jesus. He's the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the one that was killed and three days later resurrected from the dead. That's Jesus. He's writing this letter through John to this church. And he says, I know what you're going through. He says that right there in, in verse 9. I know right now that life is tough. I know that you are struggling. I know there are some things that you're having to face. I know this persecution. I see those things just because you choose to be a Christian, just because you choose to identify with this local church. I know that it's not fair. I know that it's not right what's going on with you right now. Verse 10, it says, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. That's an interesting thing. <laughs> Jesus says, hey, heads up, you're getting ready to suffer some incredible things. But right before he says that, he says, hey, don't worry, okay, don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid as I tell you maybe the most fearful thing I've ever said to you. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, Jesus says, even to the point of death. And I will give you life as your victor's crown. So why? Why would something happen like this to these people? Why would a 16-year-old in Ecuador take a stand for her faith and her dad beat her twice a week? Why does that happen? What's going on? What's the meaning behind that? Does that outrage anyone? Does it ever make you sit back and say, why do those types of things happen to those types of people. Well, Jesus makes it very clear. He, he says it right here in verse 10. He says, you are going to go through some suffering and some persecution. I'm not saying all of it, but some of the things that you're going to go through in life will be a test for your spiritual health. Like, I'm going I'm to be testing you. God tests you. That, like, there's a lot of different ways that we can get tested. Number one, we can test ourselves. Uh, oftentimes, when we put ourselves in situations where we are tempted... Uh, that, that's, that's a test of our own will, a test of our own desire to follow Jesus. Is being in a situation where we have to choose, am I going to do the right thing or am I going to do the wrong thing? And so sometimes we test ourselves. Sometimes uh, the, the Bible says that Jesus tests us, like God will test us. Think about Abraham and Isaac. God told Abraham in the Old Testament to sacrifice his own son just to see if Abraham would be obedient. 
And scripture tells us that Abraham had his son on an altar and the knife was in the air. It was getting ready to kill him. And on the way down, God says, well, stop. Nope, it was just a test. And Abraham did everything that God told him to do. And God said, I was never going to let you kill your son. I had a plan the whole time. I just wanted to see if you would be obedient. But also, lessons in in Revelation chapter 2 let us know that Satan tests us. Think about the book of Job. The scripture says that Satan came up to God and said, I want to test this man's faith. I bet that if he went through enough tests, I can get him to turn his back on you. And God allowed Job to go through some tests in his life, to go through some suffering in order to figure out what his relationship with God really was. So all of us will go through tests. Jesus says it right there. He says, you will be tested. Your faith will be tested. So I want to give you just a few things to jot down really quick about tests. I want you to, like, don't get blindsided by this. Uh, Here's a few things that tests are. Number one, tests are inevitable. They are inevitable. No one in here is exempt of tests. It's it's not like this side of the room, you're going to be tested, but this side of the room, you're good. You won't have to worry about it. Everyone will face tests in life. Get ready for it. They are absolutely inevitable. Number two, tests are continual. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. It doesn't matter what kind of job you have. It doesn't matter how secure your life is, where you live, or any of those details. tests are continual. They will always happen. I wish that I could tell you that you're you're only going to face five major tests in your life. And once those five are accomplished, it's smooth sailing the rest of the way. Or we're just going to test you one time. And if you pass it, then that's fine. You obviously know the material. You'll never need to be tested again. But tests are continual. They will happen constantly in our lives to challenge and to test our faith. Here's, Here's the two difficult aspects of tests. Number three, tests are actually productive. I know that's hard to believe that there's a time in our life where we could go through a hardship that would actually produce something good in us. But oftentimes, God will allow us to go through something because he is trying to produce something in us, therefore producing something through us. And he knows that sometimes a test is the only thing that can produce those things. I heard a buddy of mine, Matthew, said this week, he said, uh, tests are God's get-rich-quick scheme. These get-rich-quick schemes are, are these ideas that there's something that you can do that's like a shortcut to you reaching this uh, uh, accruing of wealth. And here, Jesus says it in the text. He says, uh, even though you're being persecuted and you are suffering and you're in poverty, guess what? You are very rich. Because God knows trials and sufferings in our lives help us to get spiritually rich really quick. It deepens your faith really quick. You want to know where your relationship is with God. You want to know what your faith is and what you really, really, really believe. The fastest way to define that and to grow in that area is to go through a hardship in your life. Finally, tests are influential. Every person in here has been through a difficulty in their life that has absolutely shaped them. You are not the same man or the woman that you are after the test that you were before the test. And that influenced you. It influenced how you talk, the way you spend your time and your money, how you treat people, what you do with the rest of your life. All of those things influence. And so there's these advantages to test. But Jesus makes it very clear, in this life, you are going to face tests. Now, the tests that uh, the church in Smyrna faced are not the same as the ones that we will face. But make no mistake about it, we will face tests just like they did. 
And here's what Jesus brings home. He says, in those moments, remember this, you are called to be faithful. Faithful. That's what he was writing to this church, saying, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of hardship, don't turn your back on God. Keep doing the right thing. Keep focusing on Jesus in this moment. Don't throw in the towel. Don't walk away from your faith. Don't quit on God just because life gets hard and you go through some suffering and some hardships. For us, it may not be death that we're facing in our everyday lives like like this church is in Revelation, but the truth for this text is so relevant for us today. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you five things that I believe we can find from this text that will test our faith. Now, again, they, they might not be suffering and persecution like this church is facing, where their lives are being threatened. It might not be what that little girl in Ecuador was going through. But there's no doubt that you and I face things in our life that we have an option. We've got an opportunity to take. We can stay faithful or we can walk away. We can turn our backs on God and give up and curse him and die, or we can continue to move forward in a relationship with Jesus. And so I want to give you these five. If you're writing them down, they all start with D. I do that because I love you. Um, The first one is is this, all coming from the text. Number one is discomfort. This is the first test where you're going to have an opportunity to either do what God tells you to do and walk forward in faith or walk the other way. Here's what verse 9 says. He says, I know about the slander. Jesus says to this group, he says, I know there are people in your culture and in your world that are talking bad about Christians. I know there's some name calling going on. And and the very definition of slander uh, means that people are saying things, using words to defame you, to ruin your reputation. And they're not true. Like if it's true, it can't be slander. And so Jesus is saying, I know there are people that are saying lies about you just because you're a Christian. Have Have you ever encountered this? Like there's some just discomfort when people say things about us that aren't true. Uh, try, try these things. I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation like this. Try to tell someone that doesn't believe in God. Try to tell someone that God created the world in literally seven days. And like just see what, what people say. Oh, you don't believe in the Big Bang Theory? You think there's a God that created all this in seven days? So that makes you a science denier. (laughs) Because obviously we've done the carbon dating and the testing and science. It easily explains it that that we didn't need God for any of this. And this happened over millions of years. What kind of dummy are you? You don't believe in science? Try it. Uh, Another conversation you can have. If you tell someone that Jesus is the only way to God, that the only way that you will go to heaven when you die is through having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Watch what people say to you. Right? They, they, will, they will look at you and say, man, that, that is one of the most arrogant things I've ever heard someone say. So you mean to tell me there's only one way to God, and let me guess, it's your way. How convenient. Like, How much does God have to hate people to only give them one way? How arrogant must you be to think that out of all of the millions of ways people think they can get to God, that your way is the right way and it's the only way. I can't believe that you would would actually think like that, that, that your faith is the only true faith. It's amazing. 
just, just pick your topic in Scripture and, and, and try to argue it from a biblical standpoint. And, and if you use the Bible as, well, why do you believe that? And he says, well, well the Bible says, really? Really? You're going to base your life on the Bible? A couple of thousand-year-old book? Like, that's not relevant for our life today. Like, that, that's, you're, you're so old-fashioned. You're so closed-minded. Like, like, you're so narrowly focused to think that, that it can only be true if it comes in. The, and this is the way that you're called to live your life. It, it just doesn't matter. You, you obviously are misinformed. I had people uh, that would send us emails, send me emails and phone calls and leave voice messages over these past 18 months um, when, when Revo opened back up after COVID, I'd have people that'll email me and say, you obviously hate our city. You obviously hate people because if you would allow people to come into your building and worship, even though there's social distancing and masks and hand sanitizer and all that kind of stuff, we had gloves back there, like the whole nine yards, man. We're doing surgery here today. It was so safe. It's like, well, you obviously hate people. And you obviously hate God because the scriptures say that God loves people. And if you don't love people, then you hate people. So Nathan, I didn't realize Revo was a church that hated people and hated God. And we get those emails week after week, voicemails week after week, just because we wanted to gather and worship and wanted to get together once a week and, and sing and open up the Bible and learn from it and be together and have community with each other. Jesus says, Many Christians, unfortunately, would rather compromise on the truth than experience any kind of discomfort. Right? If, if it means that we are uncomfortable in any way, we would rather just not say anything. Let's just keep the peace. Let's just keep our mouth shut. Like, let's just smile and nod when anybody thinks anything differently or says anything negative about it. And, and sometimes Jesus says, man, being a Christian means swimming against culture, even if that means someone says something about you that would be slanderous. Here's what he says, your faith will be tested when your life gets uncomfortable. When people don't see the world the way that you do and they refuse to listen to anything that you'd have to say if it comes from the Bible. And Jesus says, in that moment, here's your assignment, stay faithful. Stay faithful. We battle dis um, discomfort, but number two uh, is discouragement. Here's, here's what he says in the text you're going to face. He says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. See, sometimes as followers of Jesus, we, we read in the Bible where it says you need to be bold with your faith. You know, share with your family and friends who God is and what God has done for you. And man, just be open about inviting people to church. Uh, go next door to your next door neighbor and have a spiritual conversation Maybe you post something on your social media feed that, that's a Bible verse or a note of encouragement or, hey, come check out this, this, this podcast. Like, I like this, what this guy says, or this really helped me today. Here's a verse of the day. And, and there's, there's a possibility that in that moment um, we can face some discouragement because we never know. How are they going to respond? What if I get called a name? What if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? What, what if I get a label, Right? What if I'm starting to be known as the guy that's the Jesus freak? What if in my office I get the church girl label? Man, I don't want that. 
Like, I don't want to be walking around the hallway and then like all the friends disperse because you're like, hey, watch out for that girl because she's probably going to come and preach a sermon to you right now. Always got her Christian music playing on her radio in her cube there. And the fear of what would happen is we get those labels or the words that people would say from us actually discourage us from doing what God called us to do in the first place. And so Jesus says it's going to happen like when you are faced with discouragement in your life and you become fearful of what other people may think or say about you, don't be afraid of what you may face. In that moment, be faithful. Just be faithful. you got an opportunity to turn and walk away from what God's called you to do or to walk forward in obedience. Your faith will be tested in that way. Number three is difficulties. You and I are going to face difficult. I don't, I don't need to spend much time explaining that. Everyone in this room has faced difficulties in life. Um, Revelation says, I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. Now, I've never been to jail. Actually, I went with a buddy of mine to lock somebody up in jail. Um, but never been inside of jail. It's a long story. I shouldn't have said that because that's a rabbit. (laughs) But I can imagine that would not be a pleasant trip. Yet Jesus here says, um, some of you are going to go to prison. Some of you, heads up, uh, it's great to see you guys today, but some of you will not be in church next Sunday uh, because you'll be in prison. Because people are going to find out that you're a Christian and you're going to get locked up. And you can imagine that kind of uh, difficulty that that would have been for those people to hear that from Jesus. James chapter 1 verse 2 says this, Consider it our joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The difficulties that happen in your life produce something in you. And Jesus says, man, that's an important step. So, so listen, when you face those difficulties, when you're sitting in that jail cell, remember, don't turn your back. When, when life gets difficult and your faith gets tested because of those difficulties in life, when you were hoping that following God would, would like make your life perfect and you'd never have a bad day anymore, but actually the opposite of how is happening, you're facing spiritual difficulties as a result of being a Christian and doing the right thing, then in that moment, here's your assignment, stay faithful. Don't turn away. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. Stay faithful. Number four is a tough one for us, delays. Delays in our life will cause us to question God, uh, question our faith. Some people turn away from God. Right here in Revelation, it says, and you will suffer persecution. You're going to be in in jail, and they are going to torture you for 10 days. That's the delay that we see here. There are times where you will pray prayers, and you'll feel like God is not answering. Some of you have been praying prayers for years, and God's answer has been, not yet. Some of you are asking, God, you're praying prayers, not, not just for you, I'm talking about for other people, like selfless prayers that you're looking at, it's like, I, there's nothing wrong with, like, I'm praying that someone else would get better because they're sick, like someone with cancer would be healed of that disease, like, it's hard to argue that there's a wrong way in this prayer, and yet you've been praying that for years, and it seems like God is saying the answer is not yet. It's, it's not yet. The door has not been opened up yet. And in times of delay, people will sometimes step away from God. There's an unanswered prayer, 
There was something that God could have done when I asked him, and he chose not to do it. And if that's how God rolls, then I'm out. And God doesn't operate on our timeline. And in those moments, it's very easy for people to walk away. I'm done. I'm done with this church thing. I'm done with this Jesus thing. God had his chance, and he didn't do what I asked him to do when I asked him to do it. And so he's not real, or he doesn't love me, or he doesn't care, or he doesn't have the power that I thought he did, and so I'm out. And Jesus looks at these people and said, there's going to be times when you are sitting in that jail for 10 days where you are going to think, God has abandoned me. God doesn't care. There's nothing that God is going to do or cares to do about it. And you are going to be challenged in the midst of a delay to walk away from God. And Jesus says, stay faithful. Isaiah 64 says, No eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Even in the Old Testament, people knew, hey, if you want what God has for you in your life, the great plan and purpose, it involves waiting on his timing. But we've been conditioned in our culture to be convinced that waiting is wasting. Last time you were waiting in line at the bank or at the coffee shop or at a, a place where you're waiting in line to check out, what was it? You just constantly looking at your I'm wasting time. I'm wasting time sitting here in line. When you're in traffic, I'm wasting time sitting here in my car. But spiritually speaking, a delay is often a divine thing. Because when you think waiting is wasting, God is working while you wait. He's pulling things together. The different pieces of the puzzle that he's putting together on his timeline. He says, listen, you're going to have to wait. I'm going to do it in your life when I need to do it. And when I know it's the right time and I know it's the right thing for your life. Jesus says your faith will be tested in times of delay where God doesn't operate on your timeline. And Jesus says during those times, those 10 day stretches, those seasons that signify waiting, I need for you to keep your faith. Don't turn your back on God. Don't walk away. Don't throw in the towel. Don't think he's not real. Stay strong in your faith. The last thing is this. Jesus says there will be some demands in your life associated with your faith. He says, be faithful, Jesus said, for some of you, even to the point of death. Can you imagine reading a letter on a Sunday morning and the pastor standing up and saying, some of you will not be here next week. This will be your last Sunday at Revo. Because for some of you, it will be discovered that you are a part of a local church and this week you will lose your life for the gospel. You'll lose your life just for being a follower of Jesus. And so I want to say goodbye to some of you for the last time. Scripture says, being faithful even to the point of death. There are demands. There are things that God calls us to do in Scripture that sometimes people balk at. You ever heard that critique of Christianity? They'll pick up the Bible and say, man, this, this Bible right here, it's just a rule book. All it is is a bunch of thou shalts and thou shalt nots, right? This is just, it's just hoops that you have. It's just demands. Can you believe that God would say, this is what you need to do with your money? Can you believe this is what God says that you need to do with your time? Can you believe that, that you read this and God says, your best life is when you put others in front of yourself? 
When you live a life open-handed, where God says you need to be generous with every aspect of your life. Look, man, if it means that I have to give stuff away, that I have to treat people that I don't like kindly, like that I have to, to forgive people when they do me wrong, even if they don't ask about it, like if I have to love everyone regardless of their skin color and their background and where they come from and their social economic status, if that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, like, man, that's too high. Those demands are too much. And people will walk away from the faith because they're just like, well, if this is what Jesus is asking me to do, if this is what I have to sacrifice, if I got to be bold with my faith and actually tell people about Jesus, if I'm supposed to help meet needs around me of people that I don't even know, if those are the demands and that's what it takes, then I don't want to do it. And Scripture is clear. We, we learned this back in the Exodus series about what this really is, these commands from Scripture. Exodus 16, verse 14. Remember when God promised the people that he would give them bread every day? Bread would appear on the ground every morning when they walked outside. Verse 4 of that chapter said, The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough just for that day. You can only get enough bread to eat for one day. And in this way, I will test them and see if they will follow my instructions. Your faith will be tested when you read about what God commands you to do with your life. When the Bible says that doing things God, God's way actually leads to the best life that you can have, you and I have the opportunity of either taking matters into our own hands and said, well, I'll just take some cheap imitation of a life, or Jesus says, I want you to stay faithful. Do what I've called you to do because sometimes it's even a test of your faith and what your relationship with God is all about. I got good news for you. I don't believe that God is calling anyone in this room to die. I don't think I need to warn you that please don't tell anybody that you were here this morning because there's a possibility that if your boss or your neighbors found out, they might kill you this week. You're not going to be able to get kicked out of Walmart because someone found out that you were a member at Revo Church or you hung out at a church on a Sunday morning. Thank goodness I'm not having to stand up with you and plead that your faith would remain strong because you might lose your life. God is not calling you to die for him. What he is calling you to do is to live for him. And that involves staring things at the face and having an understanding that dealing with discomfort and discouragement and difficulties and delays and demands in life, all of those things test our faith. I know it's not as dangerous as these people being threatened with their lives, but it's still an opportunity for you and for me every single day for our faith to be tested and for us to answer the question, what are we willing to endure for the sake of Jesus? How far are we willing to go? What are we willing to do different? How are we willing to live our lives for that sake? Are we willing to take risks? Are we willing to do what God called us to do? Jesus said, when these things come up in life, stay faithful. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't get distracted from what God's called you to do. That's the challenge that I think about when I think of a persecuted and suffering church. And I think it's so relevant for where we are today. Can I pray for you?
God, I pray for that 16-year-old Ecuadorian girl because maybe she's sitting in a church right now and in the back of her mind, she knows what is going to happen when she gets home tonight. And in the face of that, she sings and she prays and she shows up to be with other Christians and she opens up her Bible because she's hungry to know you and how you can change and impact her life. God, I pray for churches all around the world right now in 2021 that face suffering and persecution that we have no idea about. God, encourage them, challenge them. May their faith remain strong as they are at the tip of the spear for the advancement of the church in the world today. And God, I pray for us, for this faith family here in Winston-Salem, that we would know what to do with the words that were just spoken. That even in the face of some of these tests and trials, things that would evoke fear in our lives and our hearts, that we would be determined and bold to not turn our back on you, to remain faithful no matter the cost. God, I do believe you're calling us to live every day for you. So I pray that you would give us what we need in order to walk with faithfulness and obedience, keep our eyes focused on what really matters, to keep the faith even in the face of adversity. Ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.